And the idea is that our nostrils flare when we get angry. It's like you're standing there and your body's trying to bring in more oxygen to fuel the explosion that is going to happen any minute now. The other word that's used, because it's no, make no friendship with a man given to anger, that's af, nor go with a wrathful man. That word there, hot temper, rage, sort of that idea of explosive anger. But the other word, the other meaning that's attached to it is poison. So the longer we keep that wrath, that, that uh, hot anger within us, the more it hurts, as well as hurting others, the more it hurts us. Well, so anger must be bad. Well, if it is, we're in trouble because if you look particularly in the Old Testament but also in the New at where the word anger is used, guess who it's used of? Probably the most. It's used of God. God gets angry. He gets, I think, it's only the grace of God that we're still here because his anger is justified against us for the things we do day to day and certainly against the world. Just pick up the paper or look at your phone. So 268 verses, many of them are God's, but God has some characteristics about his anger that aren't always characteristic of our anger. God is slow to anger, long-fused. And we're going to come back to that, that uh, illustration several times, that God has a very long, an infinitely long fuse, which is the reason, again, that we're still here. He's briefly angry most of the time. And I say that in Psalm 35, 30, verse 5, is the reference I give you there. His anger does flare, it acts, and then it's gone. Now, there are times, and probably it's most easily seen in God's views toward Esau or Edom, where the pattern of rebellion is so long that God's anger persists. God is eventually angry when provoked. The world and we give him more than enough reason to be angry instantly and always. But in God's grace, he is long-suffering and forbearing. And then lastly, his anger is unerring. It is never misdirected and it is never disproportionate. Now, how many of those characteristics are true of our anger? That verse that I give you up here, uh, Mark 3, 5, the occasion of that is Christ coming into the synagogue, and there's a man with a withered hand. And you can just, you can visualize the scene. Here's Christ standing up toward the front, and the man with the withered hand, and the Pharisees and other officials of the synagogue standing right over here, and they're just watching. They know exactly what Christ is going to do, and they're just waiting for him to do it. So Christ calls the man with the withered hand up, and he says um, to the guy standing over here, is it right to do wrong, to kill or to heal on the Sabbath? Because they're about to attack him because he's going to work on the Sabbath by healing someone. When they don't answer, Christ looks at them with anger and with grief at their hardness of heart. So Christ is angry, does get angry, and we're going to see that 
at the final judgment. We'll be there to witness that, Christ's righteous anger. Again, always rightly directed and always proportionate. The thing that that incident brought to mind for me was, what do I get angry at? Christ was angered at their hardness of heart. What do I get angry at? You cut me off in traffic. Really? Is that comparable? My child has been disobedient. My wife has asked me to take out the trash. Okay? All those things, or sometimes, you know, one of those people says something that really isn't good or really, you know, in an objective sense could, could be used as an excuse for anger. But that's what I get angry about so often. There is righteous anger. Anger is an emotion. We have to figure out how to deal with it. Is it right or is it not? Can I have the next slide, Harry? Thanks. So, as with all of life, Scripture gives us tips for dealing with that. Proverbs starts off, self-control makes us slow to anger. If I'm instantaneous fuse, probably I don't have a whole lot of self-control. Overlooking a transgression is a desirable characteristic. How quick am I to recognize an insult, to feel offended? Okay? Uh, pretty quick sometimes, especially on the road. When, in all, all likelihood, the person who just cut me off had no idea he or she did it uh, and doesn't know who I am. Why would they care if they, you know, why are, why are they out to get me by just cutting me off? So... Now, if it's Chip and we're getting close to the Army-Navy game, I can understand it. But, um, but this, the fact that I need to overlook more than notice transgressions is one of the, the tips that God gives us for avoiding unrighteous anger. And uh, that same verse makes the point that discretion makes us slow to anger. Proverbs 19.19, 19, uh, great anger leads to repeated trouble. You probably know people like this whose temper gets them in trouble. Anybody ever heard of uh, Richmond Kelly Turner? If you've studied World War II history, you probably have heard of him. He was an amphibious guy, actually the chief of Pacific Fleet Amphibious Forces. His nickname was Terrible Turner, mostly because of his temper, horrible temper. He died a broken and... Uh, Lonely alcoholic, mostly because of his temper. He was very talented, exceptionally so. Exceptionally intelligent, quick, but marred greatly by his temper. Frankly, sort of similar to Admiral King, who was the, the uh, CNO during World War II. Man of horrific temper that was said of him that used to shave with a blowtorch. So, but that idea that such a person ends up pretty lonely because there are few people who will endure that very long. Ecclesiastes 11.10 is a good Life's too short to be angry all the time. Unless you really love it, being, a being angry, don't waste your time. Christ's anger we talked about. Ephesians 4.26, probably one of our most familiar New Testament verses on anger. 
It says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that, that word there in that verse for anger is sort of a strengthened form. It examines, it looks at those things that provoke us to anger. Why am I bumping everything? Um, Colossians 3.8, being ang- put away anger in speech. And then James 1.19 and 20, which you'll see again as we get toward the end of the lesson. I need to be slow to anger. If my goal is working righteousness, my anger rarely works toward that end. There can be some occasions, but in general, the goal is not served by my anger. Okay, next slide, Harry. Well, how do I figure out which side of that line I'm on, righteous or unrighteous? Does my anger stem from a quick temper? Has it flashed up? If it has, maybe just better shut up. Just not say anything until I have a chance to think about it. Does it stem from wounded pride? <laughs> yeah, probably does with me. Self-centeredness? This, this was a big one over Thanksgiving for me. Bad modeling? Maybe as I grew up or in my current environment. I'm just seeing a lot of folks who don't bother to bridle their anger or who can't. Too much alcohol? Hurts from my own past, particularly a father who was frequently and deeply angry. Thankfully, I didn't have that. But uh, Lack of exercise or fatigue. Everybody knows, get the boss out on his run because life in the office is going to be a lot better after he comes back, he or she, frankly. Am I hurting others physically or emotionally? And especially, am I humiliating them? Especially my wife or my children. If I'm humiliating particularly those folks, I am way on the wrong side of anger. Okay, has my pent-up anger turned into bitterness? You've heard the saying, revenge is a dish best served cold. It's a, it's a dish best not served at all. Okay, but how I allowed that, we talked about that, holding that poison deep within and letting it harden, congeal like fat around my heart. There's an Edgar Allan Poe story called A Cask of Amontillado, which you may remember. And in it, the individual uh, who's telling the story documents a long-ago offense uh, by, by, by some guy. And the, guy has, the uh, narrator has never forgotten it. So he lures this guy who offended him down to um, his basement and tells him there's a cask of a monetary rare wine. And this guy happens to be a, an enophile, if that's what you call it, and says, hey, you might want to look at this cask. And he puts him into the, uh, he leads him into this little chamber, and then he bricks him into the chamber to die of starvation. So that long-term bitterness turning into vengeance. Well, that's just an Edgar Allan Poe story. It can never happen to us. Well, we may not be brick masons, but that same thing can happen to us. We can retain that kind of, of uh, long-term anger that leads us to not speak to somebody for 25 years. And probably, if you haven't seen that, you've probably heard of it happening in folks' families. We just can't do that. Again, life's too short. And it does not please God. So how do I resolve it? First of all, recognize that anger is not always sinful. 
that instance with Christ's anger, you know, that's, it was completely righteous anger. The second thing is, I can be angry. I need to decide what to do with it. Do I continue with it? Or do I say, eh, this is not worth it. I've got to step back and not say anything or uh, decide how to resolve it in another way. I need to, how do I resolve it? First of all, I have to decide that I want to. And then I need to prayerfully seek to resolve it. It doesn't say prayerfully want to resolve it. In other words, that I should wait to resolve it until I want to. Well, that may be a long time coming. If God has convicted me that I need to resolve it, whether I feel like it or not, I need to start about that process and to take time to listen to God doing it. Now, it may not be immediately after the violent explosion. It may not be the best time to say, dear, let's talk about this. Okay? Maybe best to let emotions cool a little bit, not too long, before you finally deal with it, before I finally deal with it. And I know with Carol, sometimes I'll try to, if I've offended her, I'll try to, to uh, return to the scene of the crime uh, and immediately deal with it. And she's not ready to do that yet. So I need to let things cool before I address it. Uh, usually better done in person. Email is not a good medium for resolving situations like this. Much more likely to escalate than to calm. Seek resolution rather than victory. My goal is not winning. My goal is peace. And not, and not the definition of, of a Roman peace, you know, that uh, they wipe out all their enemies and call it peace. It's not the absence of conflict. It's restoration and um, restoration of the relationship. Okay, next slide, please. So what I'd like to do is turn you over to your discussion questions. The first one is, how significant a problem is this in your life? It may not be an issue for you at all. Yeah, you get angry once in a while, but it's not a, it's not a big deal. But then think about your answer. Would your wife, your children, your subordinates, or the drivers on the parkway agree with your assessment of your anger capacity? All of us get angry, but not all of us handle it well. But think about a situation in which you saw somebody do it right. Somebody who was clearly angry, but honored God in the way he or she addressed it. And then lastly, I give you in your notes uh, an extended section that's taken from those pages in Measure of a Man that helps us assess how we're doing on this issue. What might God want us to do to work on this area? I think I figured out what the problem was. Okay, good, thanks. So, let me pray and turn this over. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you are at work in our lives, uh, that you have the image of Christ to form within us. Help us to cooperate with you in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.